You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in to another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Report. It is a Friday edition. That means I am live with the editor-in-chief of Arrowhead Pride, Pete Sweeney. Friday, September 22nd. Mm-hmm. Week three is upon us. The Kansas City Chiefs host the Chicago Bears this Sunday, 325 Arrowhead time. Sweeney, how are you feeling about the matchup on Friday morning? Yeah, I, I think the the same as we've been feeling all week. I, I just it's hard to wrap your head around how this could be anything other than a Kansas City Chiefs get right game for the offense. I see the defense continuing and persisting. You know, we've talked about already this week how crazy it's been in Chicago. And so you don't want to always just assume that it's going to be a blowout. Usually when you do that, you end up being wrong in the NFL. But I. I don't know. I just can't see this being much of a game on Sunday. We'll we'll see about that. And before we get to the next question, Steve, I, I just want to let people know we are live streaming this. So if you're watching this live at, in Kansas City, you know it's raining. Evergy, it's been a, about as good as the Chicago Bears throughout the summer. So if we lose power, we'll uh, we'll get this recorded to you uh, at a later time. So we're just making sure. Sometimes I, I get a blink. So if I if I if I say goodbye randomly, Steve, you know why. Yeah, uh, over the summer, I lost power three separate times. Uh, yes. A couple of times it was for multiple days. So yeah. let's Same hope that thing. doesn't happen. I don't want to start <laughs> off week three that way. Um, I got yeah. a lot of things to get done today. So I would appreciate it, Evergy, if we could make sure that that holds up. But it has seemed that any kind of perspiration will knock out power uh, around yes. these parts. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping the uh, I want to remind you guys, uh, you can drop your questions in the comment section and we will answer them throughout the show. Um, be, we'll probably hang out for about 20 minutes or so and just kind of highlight our last minute thoughts ahead of the Chiefs final practice on Friday. Final injury report should hear from head coach Andy Reid and maybe a player or two later on this afternoon. But the injury list was long this week for the Kansas City Chiefs as Richie James did not practice on Thursday. Kadarius Tony did not practice on Thursday. And Nick Bolton did not practice on Thursday. We're awaiting their status on Friday to have a better picture of whether or not they're going to be available in Sunday's game. Isaiah Pacheco and Willie Gay both returned to practice on Thursday, but they were both limited. So 
-hmm. It's a long injury report this week for the Kansas City Chiefs. But that being said, Pete, and you already mentioned it about this matchup with the Chicago Bears, like, I don't think there's a better team you could play right now shorthanded and still be confident in beating than this Chicago Bears team, especially after the the public week that they've kind of had this week uh, yeah. in Chicago. It's been both sides of the ball. They have the random res- resignation by the defensive coordinator. And I, I think to be fair, sometimes teams that change – the head of one side of the football, whether it be the head coach or, you know, the defensive coordinator sometimes can get some juice from that, but this just seems like too weird of a situation to, to garner any kind of positivity. Again, again, that's the outside looking in. We don't know a ton about that side, but then the double press conference by Justin Fields, where he's kind of blaming his coaches, but not completely blaming him. But I I could see why reporters in Chicago would say that because it, it just seemed like he quite clearly was saying that he's been overwhelmed by how much information that he's getting. And he would prefer just a little bit of a a simplified scenario. There has to come back in the locker room and, and take, I guess, full blame or, or, you know, full control over what's happening in Chicago and why there's been offensive woes. I, I don't know how they've gotten to that point so quickly. I thought he looked pretty impressive at times last year. You know, I I think you're trying to grow a, a young quarterback. So of course you're going to have your growing pains, but yeah, it, it is not the kind of week that you want when you're having to go into the Super Bowl champions building and try to pull off the upset. And also with that, it's not like the Chiefs are 2-0. and right? They have already been humbled, so you can't even really catch them off guard. And so it's just been that kind of week in, in Chicago. I, you know, I, I know this language sometimes scares fans uh, about how, just how much of a disparity two teams are, especially when it's your team. But this is this is a team going through almost a, you know, what you would consider a disaster, maybe worse than anyone so far early here on in the, the NFL season. And now they're playing to come. Uh, now they're coming to play one of the, the best teams, if not the best team in the league. So I, I want to get into the injuries and kind of how, how the chiefs are going to approach that a little bit. But before we do, you mentioned in, in the matchup, like I can't help, but think back to last year's loss to the Colts where, I believe all of us were saying all of these exact same things where <laughs> going to the matchup, man, this team is bad. The Chiefs should absolutely roll them. They have nobody yeah. on defense. Like they have the walking corpse of Matt Ryan at, at quarterback and they cannot score points. And then, you know, the Chiefs go in there and lose because they just continually shoot themselves in the foot. But, and, and I've seen a lot of people make that comparison because the Chiefs do have these down games every single year. Mm-hmm. They have these games where they play down to their competition. But, this Bears defense is so bad, Pete, that I just don't see it happening on Sunday. Like, it just feels like you mm-hmm. could get that kind of sleepwalking Chiefs performance. And even though the offense hasn't been impressive so far, even though they're still figuring a lot of things out and you still have tons of question marks about all of those pass catchers, like, this feels like the kind of thing where, okay, you get the ball to Kelsey early on, you get him going, maybe he has a big game, you get the ball to Jarek McKinnon because maybe Isaiah Pacheco's banged up and you dial up McKinnon for some big plays. And you know, and then Mahomes finally connects down the field a little bit and, and, may, and creates some big plays that way and finally looks a little bit better than he has over the first two weeks of the season. This Bears unit just does not have the personnel defensively. They got one pass rusher in Yannick Ngakwe. Their secondary has been absolutely torched by everybody they've played. They gave up three passing touchdowns to Jordan Love. Baker Mayfield had over 300 passing yards last week. We saw what Mike Evans did to this secondary, and I understand the Chiefs don't have anybody like that outside of Travis Kelsey. 
But this is the kind of team you should absolutely dominate, and there should be no questions coming out of this game on Sunday evening. Yeah, the the PFF grades on this, the pass rush for the Chicago Bears right now is number 31. The coverage grade that they're getting is number 24 in the league. And you are combining that now with what has looked. And again, Steve, I always say this on Wednesday and Thursday, we get about you know 15 to 20 minutes to watch practice. But you've noticed that Travis Kelsey has no more compression or anything on his knee. He did last week when he was getting ready for that game. So I tend to think he... I don't want to say a hundred. I don't want to speak for him, but if I'm putting a number on it based upon my analysis, I, I would probably say he's in the 85 to 95 percent range. And you combine that with a weak Bears defense, especially with coverage, it's it's hard enough for good defenses at coverage uh, early on here to to cover Travis Kelsey. Now you're getting uh, angry Travis, who was not excited about how the Jaguars were playing him last weekend. I think he's ready to have that textbook nine catch 117 yard two touchdown game and I, I think it probably comes against the Chicago Bears and again with Kelsey back in that close to 100% range I, I think it does open things up for your younger receivers who each week are, are gaining confidence I thought Sky Moore probably gained a, a ton of confidence from last week's game I, I've liked what I've seen from Rasheed Rice you have Marquez Valdez Scantling in the mix I, I think even Noah Gray is somebody that you look at the Bears are, are okay so far at rush defense um, but I I think the Chiefs can still run the ball, and I I feel like they learned last week. Like, we got to make sure we're getting enough uh, rushes early on in the game to establish the run and open things up for what has been this Chicago Bears pass defense that has been susceptible to to yardage and and whatnot. So I I think they get the run established early. I I, I think they make sure that they're they're doing some of those things. A, a note on that, which I thought was interesting, is Matt Nagy was forthcoming and saying like a lot of the reason they got away from the run last week is sometimes less about the uh, idea of not calling runs. It's RPOs that Pat is pulling. Pat loves to pass, right? We always, we never really consider that when we were like, why, why did the chiefs run the ball twice and designed runs in the first half? Like Pat likes to throw the ball. So sometimes it, it ends up that way, but I, I do think it'll be a point that they want to emphasize. I bet you, and I don't, you can't even really bet this, but I, I bet you, Steve, that we get out of the the first possession for the Chiefs. And I bet you Isaiah Pacheco, if he is available, has at least three carries in, in the first possession. It's it's definitely been pointed out before on ArrowheadRide.com yeah. that if you give Patrick Mahomes a run pass option, he is going to pass it a hundred percent of the time. And you can't really like you can kind of see those, but some, sometimes it's hard to tell if there is the option there. And I yeah, we get caught up in just like oh my god, two rushes in the first half, but we don't know how many RPOs were actually called. You know? Yeah, and, and it's worth mentioning that Colts loss last season was on the road. This one's at home. The Chiefs are all, are already 0-1 at home after losing to the Detroit Lions in week one. Like, this is just not a game that the defending Super Bowl champions lose to a, a team like the Chicago Bears. So I, I'm expecting a different kind of performance from the offense, and I'm expecting the defense to continue to prove that they belong in, in the upper echelon of NFL defenses this week. But uh, I am a little bit worried about Nick Bolton's availability in this game after not practicing the last couple of days. And like I mentioned earlier on, like this is a game where you could certainly get by without him. And honestly, the matchup might actually be more beneficial for you to just sit Nick Bolton this week and and use kind of, use some of your other more athletic linebackers that we've seen through the first two weeks of the season. We know Willie Gay is that guy, but then Drew Tranquil, who 
we know during training camp stepped in, put the green dot mm -hmm. on for Nick Bolton. So the Chiefs are confident in him taking over that role. And then Leo Chanel has been really impressive through two weeks for the for the Chiefs. And he's kind of a forgotten guy on the defense, kind of a forgotten guy from that draft class last year. But through two weeks, it seems like they've really found something in him. And like he's got a good chance at being an impact player on this defense. So I'm pretty confident that both those guys can step in and kind of fill that void if Nick Bolton's unavailable this week. Yeah, I, I just I think it it's become a more versatile Leo Chanel. I talked to him in the locker room earlier this week, and he has, has said that it's been night and day difference between last year and this year. These guys are drowning, I think, sometimes when they're brought into both the Andy Reid offense or on the other side, the Steve Spagnuolo defense. And you really can't play loose, kind of what Justin Fields was saying. You can't really play loose without thinking until you feel like you have the defense and the offense down. And I think Leo Chanel is at a point where he finally understands like where folks are going, who's lining up where what to do uh, in certain situations where you might have two obligations or you got to read keys and figure out what, what your role is. They've been using him more on the line of scrimmage and you've seen him as a pass rusher. And he, he looks to really be one of these guys who in his second year is raising his ceiling. I think we may, may have falsely established the ceiling for Leo Chanel as a run stopper last year. And now I, I think you, you might see that, He's got a lot more to his game than simply that. And so uh, great to have him in the mix. And you mentioned that they don't have Nick Bolton and he missed the first two practices of the week. It was good to see Willie Gay have a limited practice. I still think there's a chance Nick Bolton plays. If you're asking me about the full injury report, we were told that Bolton and Gay were at the walkthrough on Wednesday. That's usually an indicator that there's a chance they'll be part of the game plan. So they might just be being cautious with Bolton and, and letting that hamstring calm down. Really quickly at the injury report, Steve, and we'll, we'll learn this later today, but if you're looking for my predictions on the injury report, I, I would believe that Richie James is going to be out with that MCL. To start the jokes, I, I think Kadarius Tony will be out with the toe. I think Nick Bolton uh, will be questionable. I tend to think Isaiah Pacheco, because it's a hamstring, will be questionable. They're going to want to see how he's feeling. I could see Willie Gay getting out of this without a, a status. He looked to be okay. I mean, big smile on his face. Willie Gay attitude that you would expect at practice. He was there without a helmet on Wednesday, even though he wasn't practicing. So, again, I think Willie Gay ends up without a status. Bolton and Pacheco questionable. I could see the other two being out this week. Yeah, I, I will. We'll know more about that later on this afternoon. Um, I, I just think that this Chiefs defense, and I, I talked about this on Joe and BK this week, like, we just haven't even seen the ceiling of this defense yet. And I know right. everybody is in love with the Cowboys, 49ers, and Jets. I think those are easily the top three defenses in all of the NFL. And the Chiefs defense is kind of flying under the radar right now, which I think is good for them because I don't know if anybody realizes quite how good they've been through two games. And one of those performances was without Chris Jones. And then we saw how dominant Chris Jones was in half the snaps last week. Like, once he is back to his full role in the defense and they still have Charles Amenahu coming midseason, like this defense is scary. And I think people need to start paying more attention to it. But an underrated part of the defense is this chief secondary and how spectacular uh, Trent McDuffie has been. And Legereus Sneed has been a little up and down, but he looked better in week two than he did in week one. And we know he's fighting through that knee issue right now. So I'm still yeah. confident that Legereus Sneed 
is going to be fine uh, moving forward as long as the injury doesn't make him miss any time or anything like that. And this Chiefs secondary has just been really good. And, and even even why I'm so confident, even if Nick Bolton misses time, is because that secondary, they also like to come up to the line of scrimmage and make hits. Nobody in that secondary is afraid to come up and make a tackle, whether it's Justin Reed, Brian Cook, Trent McDuffie, Legereus Sneed. We saw Jalen yeah. Watson come up with a huge hit last week. Joshua Williams is a big cornerback who's not scared to lay a hit. Like Everybody on the defensive side of the ball for the Chiefs this season – is is there to make an impact play and ready to go go hit somebody at the line of scrimmage and i think that says a lot uh, about what they can be later on in the season i think it says a lot about why we were so confident in this group coming into the season yeah assuming chris jones was going to be available and now that he is like i I truly believe this is a a top five to ten defense in the nfl well, you look at last week or last year when it comes to pro football focus uh, offensive grades for entire offenses and the Detroit Lions finished eighth through the two weeks that, you know, we've seen here first at Arrowhead and then, at, you know, they were playing somebody else last week. They're number two in the league when it comes to offensive grade, only trailing the Miami Dolphins who have been in their own league. So you know, if you take them out of the, the mix, it's been the most efficient offense, the highest graded offense uh, in the NFL. And I, I think playing off your point, the Chiefs defense without Chris Jones, without Charles Amenahieu, looked pretty damn good against the Detroit Lions. Looked unbelievable now that you've injected Jones last week and you're four weeks away from getting Charles Amenahieu back. And where it is really playing into the Chiefs' hand and you don't really know how it's going to go, the schedule all of a sudden looks like those teams that we thought may be threatening the Chiefs to upset them over the, the first six weeks are suddenly like, uh, like the Chicago Bears, we beat this to a death. They're, they're they're a complete mess. You have the Jets, no longer with Aaron Rodgers. It's Zach Wilson. That's a whole different game. The Minnesota Vikings are struggling. They're 0-2, facing 0-3 against a good Chargers team. And then you have the Denver Broncos, and they're still struggling to get their feet under them with Sean Payton and, and Russell Wilson. And then you get Amenahieu back. If that doesn't scream that we can be 5-1 and one when we get Charles Amenahieu back, I mean, I don't know what does. You're at least, I would think, Steve, if you're trying to say it's the NFL, uh, you're at least 4-2 and two at that point. And I, I think you take that. Even before the season, you're like, oh, man, there was this big piece, probably thought he was only going to get suspended for two games, ended up being six. It's a little more than we thought, but we ended up out of it 4-2. and two. I think you take that. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. The schedule really worked into the Chiefs' favor early on this season, and it doesn't seem like that happens very often. But this is the stretch of the schedule where they got to just go out and win, and the defense has played well enough that I, I feel pretty confident they're going to win all of those games. And then we we assume they'll get things figured out offensively. But we got a few questions, so let's get to those before we get out of here. This is from Josh Fox. Uh, does it seem like players are hurt more this year across the league? I don't. I feel like everybody says that every year at the start of the season when guys start to go down and every year it's unbelievable, especially in fantasy. Like this is unlike anything I've ever seen. And I just think we say that every year injuries happen across the NFL. I I agree with you to a point. I I think there is something to how the off season has got a little bit less over the years, because I think you're right. You see them at the beginning of the season every year, then you don't really see them as much as the season goes on. And I just, I always just have that constant wonder of like, 
does there need to be more off-season programming? Steve, I know we don't want to do podcasts as many podcasts during the off-season, but do, do those there need to be more off-season programming and more time for the players in the facility to get ready for the season? Because it does seem to I, to me, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, so this is just like my my brain like thinking of what I, I'm used to here, but it does seem like there's a lot more injuries at the beginning of the season. This was submitted via Pete's Twitter. Are you at all concerned with the offensive performance thus far? And do you think Justin Ross will get more touches? Um, I am concerned a little bit with the offense, but uh, it just goes back to the idea that we always assume Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are going to get it figured out. Uh, Yeah. I am starting to question whether or not Justin Ross really develops a significant role in the offense. And we're only through two games, but I just would like to see him get more involved. And we even saw Rasheed Rice after looking good in week one, kind of take a back seat last week. And we know Rasheed yeah. Rice is ahead of him in the pecking order. So I just don't know if it's going to happen really at any point in the regular season for Ross. He, he's, he's in a red zone package right now. This is the same. If you're, if you can put yourself in, in your, you know, your former shoes in previous years, this is the same exact conversation that we were having about Jody Fortson. How many fans were, and it's, it's a more popular Jody Fortson situation. How many fans were like, we got to see more Jody Fortson. He's great in the red zone. <laughs> as it as it's turned out, the Chiefs haven't been in a position, I think, to use Ross in the way they've wanted to, which to me is that red zone fade threat uh, early on here, or you you would have been seeing him, I think, a little bit more. But that's really it. I think he's still grasping the playbook, and until the Chiefs feel comfortable and that, that he can do that, I, I think he's going to be playing where he's playing in, in certain packages. And if you don't end up in those game situations, you're going to see – uh, less of, of Justin Ross. Uh, as far as the offensive performance, man, they didn't have Travis Kelsey. That That's a game changer. And and for me, he'll be 100% this weekend. If the offense continues to look the same without Kelsey this weekend, then I might be concerned for 2023. Where I might have the greater concern is like, let's say 2025. There needs to be some kind of planning for life after Kelsey because it, say, say that, and this would be a dire situation, say that Kelsey couldn't have come back or say that he was on IR right now after that week one injury and you weren't getting him week six, I would be very concerned. So I just think that's the difference. Kelsey's the ultimate game changer. And, and you might say, well, it can't be um, revolved around, around one pass catcher. Well, you know, if you lose Jamar chase, same deal. If, if the dolphins lost Tyree kill, same yeah. deal. If the Dallas Cowboys lost CD, like everyone has that guy. I just wonder who's that guy going to be. Once Kelsey is done, he is he is 34 years old and it's thinking about settling down now. It might might seem like so. <laughs> we only got time for one more question, so we're going to sneak it in. But are we back to rotating cornerback three for the whole season or was the last game because of the heat factor? Um, I, I mean, uh, we talked about all throughout training camp that the Chiefs really wanted to see one of Jalen Watson or Joshua yeah. Williams kind of step up and prove that they should be that starting third cornerback. And I think what you're seeing right now is that they like both players. Both players have their moments of success. And that's probably what we're going to see a lot more moving forward until somebody really runs away with the job. Yeah, I think the answer, you know, was it this or that? Yes, I I think they were rotating guys more because of the heat. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo likes to rotate guys throughout the defense based upon different looks and packages and, and whatnot. I think you're right too, Steve. I, I think they really wanted Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson to someone to step forward. I think they wanted that last year. I think they wanted it th- this summer. I just don't think it's happened. And so they're going to play the hot hand when it comes to cornerback three. It's a little atypical, I think, for the NFL, but that's the way that they're doing. If they'll start with one guy, he's playing well. 
He'll stay in the game, it seems like. If he's not playing well, they'll rotate him out. And and at some point here, and Dave Merritt confirmed this to me, this, that, that was something that I asked him at training camp. And he's just like, we would like some, one of these guys to step up. It's just, <laughs> it's not, it has not happened yet. So. Yeah, they've both had their moments defensively. So I, I still really like Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson. But he's Pete right. Sweeney. You can follow him on Twitter at PG Sweeney. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. Thank you guys for submitting questions this week on the Arrowhead Pride Report. As always, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we are doing right here on the Arrowhead Pride go. Podcast Network. And check out arrowheadpride.com. Uh, we will be back this weekend on Sunday, immediately following the Chiefs and Bears game. We will talk to you guys then. Go Orange. Beat Army. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts.